0: Hello everyone and welcome to Minute 6 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee ki our way through the 1990 Rennie Harlan directed and Bruce Willis starring action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me today is Josh Harlowitz of 5 Minutes of Bonsai, 5 Minutes of Trouble, 12 Chimes, It's Midnight, a whole bunch of other things. Welcome to the show, Josh. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me, Rob. Great to be back in the Movies by Minutes chair.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you. It's uh you know, I I've, I've been trying to get you for a number of seasons and I'm glad that I was finally able to <laughs> to find a movie and some time that uh that was good for you to to, to join in. So, thank you. Yeah, thank well, you for I'm glad
1: you reached out. Yeah, and yeah. what a what a movie to do as well. Uh Die Hard <laughs> 2, which I I uh, hate to say it, but I had never seen this movie. Oh, I'm so happy. That's another
0: person. Yeah, that's, I, I I love, you know, uh, getting guests who watch a movie just because I'm doing it. You know, that's great. The, so I get a first impression. It's something that I will never be able to have again of <laughs> certain movies, but especially dire 2. You know, I won't be able to experience it once again for the first time. So I love being able to see it from the eyes or through the eyes of somebody who hasn't seen it before. So, oh, wow, yeah. we're going to have a fun week because... Oh, I'm yeah. gonna to want to hear a lot of of your interpretation of things. <laughs> well, maybe even at the end of the week, we'll talk about like your overall interpretation of everything, even with spoilers about things that are gonna go on later and stuff like that. You know, yeah. just no, to, just to good. see like if there are things that you were able to
1: figure out before they happened and stuff like that. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm surprised just... I'd never had a chance to see this film. I mean, I I saw Die Hard. I think I saw it on video, actually, not in the theaters, because. I, when did that come out? Well, in how like, old were you in '88 88 or something? Yeah, how old were you in '88? Uh, I was uh, 11 years old. Okay. And so that's most understandable of my why movie experiences was all through <laughs> just VHS. You know, we'd we'd go to the warehouse and we'd rent whatever films happened to be big at the time. And I I think I saw that one, but but yeah, never got around to seeing uh, Die Hard 2. Right. And, so I'm, uh, I'm slightly older cool. than you. I,
0: I I was 14 when the original Die Hard came out, and uh-huh. I didn't see it in the theater either. I saw – me and a friend of mine uh, rented it on on video, and we were watching it at his his house, and his parents were not – didn't approve of watching R-rated movies, so – and they were in the house while we were watching it. So every time they would come into the room, we would have to, like, uh, quickly switch the channel. So it was a very interesting (laughs) way to watch the movie for the first time. Um, Die Hard 2 I actually saw in the theater – I I went to a special preview the night before it it premiered on July 4th, Mm. uh, 1990. And then I saw it again the following morning at the first show. So Mm. this is one of two movies that that I've seen in the theater on back-to-back days. This and Jurassic Park when that came out a few Ah. years later.
1: Great, great films. Yeah, now the the early 90s, it was a a time for quite a good number of these action-filled movies. Yes, that's very true. That's very true.
0: So episode six begins with McLean uh, trying to get a little romantic and ends with McLean excusing himself. <laughs> so we, we ended things on Friday with, uh, you know, John calling a non-existent number because, you know, as Renny Harlan says on the, the, on the commentary and also, uh, you know, most of us know at that time you couldn't call an airphone. <laughs> oh that's right. He he's calling her. Yes,
1: yeah, he calls her back. <laughs> I didn't consider that. Yeah, yes. just kidding.
0: So he's he's somehow calling a non existent number. I, I don't know how that works today if you can actually call an airphone because like how'd would, how would you
1: know the number? You, you know, know is it, there... it's actually interesting with these airphones. i i was surprised that you know to even see that i mean here we've got two new tech or two technologies that are being displayed here we've got very, very old stuff really we've got a, a payphone which you barely see anymore that's and right you have an airphone, which does exist but again you you, you rarely see these things yes uh yeah i i, I don't think you can call them i <laughs> thought would be a little strange if suddenly something like that rang i mean hell even if you're on a on a regular air flight, if suddenly someone's cell phone goes off, I think that would probably freak people out.
0: Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Well, especially now because they keep telling everyone that that's going to, you know, mess up the instruments on the plane and the plane's going to crash because of it, you know? So, yeah. But I mean, even if you think about, uh, you know, 22 years ago with, uh, you know, with 9-11, you mm. know, the, mm. the fact that people were calling from airphones, that that's, I think when, you know when people heard all the stories of what happened that day where where people were using the airphones, I think that was one of the yeah. first times where people were where where Air Force became very popular. I guess you can say I don't know if that's the right hmm. term to use you know for for a tragic day like that, but you know that yeah. that was a day but you never heard of people calling them back you know yeah well, they that's, didn't say oh that's for i sure. you know I, I missed the call i'm going to try and call someone back there There was just no number there. You know, so and,
1: I mean, and and if it does ring, do you have to pay for the call?
0: That's right, because <laughs> normally
1: right. you have to put your credit card in, right?
0: That's right, but also back then, uh, you know, people were paying for incoming calls also. Uh. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like by you nowadays, but but most places that I know, you don't pay for incoming calls; you just pay for the outgoing calls. From what I know, yeah. at least here, I, I mean, here I don't, in Israel, I don't
1: even. I don't even remember. I mean there were you know there was a time of course where everybody had to sign up for long distance service on their landlines. Correct. And I remember always saying like you know if if you if you get a call, or sometimes then that you don't have to pay for, but if you make an outgoing call, you do. Right. You know, with cell phones now, it's all a thing of the past. But still, if I get like some unknown call that it says from China, I I don't pick it up Right in case exactly I'm going
0: to get charged for. For sure, for sure. I mean, I, I've told this story before. I even maybe last week. I don't even remember that when when I was in high school. So I had a, I was living in in Detroit. So I had a friend uh, in school who was living in Windsor, right across the the border in Canada. And I would call him at night, you know, and we would talk and we would talk for hours and stuff like that. And after a few months, my parents got really upset at me because I was making international phone calls. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was like ringing yeah. up their bills and I'm just talking to a friend. And I wasn't even thinking about that at the time.
1: You know, well, so. Rob, here's a question for you. Have you ever used an airphone on a flight? Nope, nope never used it. No, no, neither And it's never, it's never always... rung. It's never rung to on the phone either. That never, never. Rings, no, I mean, I, I just remember. You know, the, the times where I'd be on a, a flight and I saw the phone and I was almost like joking, like, oh, I'll pick it up. But I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, no, 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 super expensive. And I, I did some research on the earphone. Would you like to hear about about the Airphone? Of course I do. Go ahead. So here we go. So, OK, I looked this up. There was a New York Times article that was written in 1984 that mentioned how callers would insert their credit card in a console. They were allowed up to 45 minutes on their call. Wow. And it was $7.50 for the first three minutes and then $1.25 for each additional minute. This was That's still a hell of a lot of money for a 45,
0: 45-minute 45 call.
1: And they they <laughs> noted that this was about the same cost as a long-distance call to Japan at that time. Wow. And, and then I was doing a little more research. It said that apparently uh, Airphones kind of started dying out by around 2004. Apparently only two to three people would use the service per flight. And now it's basically gone. It's obsolete because the flights have in-flight Wi-Fi. That's and right. If you wanted to, you could use a Skype call, just right, like but, we're doing
0: now. That's right. <laughs> but but Wi-Fi is is also very expensive on the plane. You know, it's not it's not very cheap.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's some some are more than others. I remember taking a JetBlue flight actually to New York at one point, and it was included. It was free. oh wow. So that's right. It was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I was I was on a flight to the states, uh, you know, from Israel last
0: summer, and I was debating whether I should pay. I don't I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was even twenty five bucks or thirty five bucks. But it was like, do I really need it? You know, is it is it worth? Do I really need the Wi Fi? And yeah. in the end, I didn't. You know,
1: mm-hmm. I was I was able to
0: do everything, uh, you know, uh, without the Wi Fi, <laughs> whatever I needed to do on my computer the whole time. So whatever. Yeah. So John started by, you know, uh, sort of, or he, he ended Friday by lying to his wife about, you know, uh, you know, Holly asked, asked him if he had any trouble taking, you know, the borrowing her mother's car. And he, <laughs> he said, not yet. <laughs> and then mm. he quickly, this minute begins with him quickly changing the subject He goes, listen, honey, when you land, can we just like, you know, rent a car, check into a hotel, leave the kids with your parents, Order some room service, bottle of
1: champagne. What do you say? So, first of all... It seems like he's on a much better relationship with his wife in this movie, isn't it? Yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, they've, they've patched
0: things up. He's he's moved to L.A., so, you know... That's he's right. But, but I mean, think of someone... L.A. cop, too, right? That's right. And, you know, first of all, the idea that he's trying to deflect the whole fact that he's getting a ticket, that he got a ticket, okay, his wife is eventually going to find out. <laughs> You know, this isn't something he's going to be able to hide. So, but part of the whole thing, think about what he's asking. He says to her, says, let's rent a car. Wouldn't her first reaction be, why do you need to rent a car? We have my mother's car, you know, and then, okay, check into hotel. I can understand that there, you know, I, I did a little bit of research. There are uh, a whole bunch of hotels, you know, right around the Dulles airport, uh, at least today. they're They're pretty expensive. Uh, what I, mean, I don't know if he's because he says hotel, he doesn't say motel. You know, I'm sure he can get mm-hmm. a, a good price on a motel in 1990, but I don't know if that's what he's looking for if he wants a romantic evening with his wife. You know, the, but but most of the the hotels in, in around the airport uh, are, are nowadays they're about 120 130 dollars a night. Uh, wow. I don't. I wasn't able to figure out find out what the prices were back then because you know they don't they don't keep that stuff uh, written down, but. But, you know, like, okay, so he says he wants to rent a car. And then he says, why don't we leave the kids with your parents? Aren't they already there? You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the, the whole like, reason that, that this is taking place in, in uh, Dallas, though, is because uh, what, what? He's just visiting, he's uh, visiting his in laws, right? They're visiting his yeah. in laws,
0: yeah. But uh-huh. again, the kids are already at her parents. So why say leave the kids with your parents? Meaning they were going to take them somewhere else? You know, and why? Why are they on separate flights too? No, that Is actually that makes explained? sense. That, that that sort of it's not really explained, but it makes sense. The fact that that you know he shows up a day or two late or earlier with the kids, and she had to uh-huh. continue working. I mean, later on we'll find out that you know that that she has been promoted, you know, hmm. in Nakatomi because the, her two immediate bosses were were killed, you know, a year right. or two ago, depending on when you know, these things, when these movies really take place. Mm. So whatever. So again, he's, it I just find it very funny, you know, thinking about it from the perspective of a married man. And, you know, I'm assuming you have the same idea. You know, if, if you deflect a certain thing that you don't want your wife to find out about, you know, because you want a romantic evening, she's going to eventually find out and you're going to get in <laughs> hot water anyway.
1: So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, It's an interesting, (laughs) interesting thought. Yeah, Yeah, I I just had a thought right now. You know, you had mentioned before uh, Jurassic Park, and I was just thinking in this case you know, one of the big things in Jurassic Park is that it involves children that are in jeopardy from all of, you know, the dinosaurs and stuff. And here we're saying that John ended up coming early and bringing the kids and dropping them off. Well, what if for some reason (laughs) this was a movie where the kids were with him? That's right. And, you know, hadn't gone to the mother-in-law's, they were all going to say hello to the mom, and then all this stuff happens. Mm, this, now you would have it a much a much sort of more threatening, edgier film. They probably would have far fewer F-bombs, I think, in the film if that had been the case. Uh, but, but, yeah, taking a, a Jurassic Park approach with kids in Jeopardy and all this other stuff, that, that would have been an interesting take.
0: Yeah, that's true. Wow. I didn't even think about that fact. I mean, we do get to eventually see the kids in future movies. I don't know. I I mean, I know that you've never seen Die Hard 2, but have you seen 3, 4, or 5? Nope. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) you know, when, when I get you back for those seasons, then you'll, Ah. you'll, you'll you'll hopefully get a chance to see what happens in those. But, but in four, his daughter is in it. And in five, his son is in it. So, Ah. so they, they, much
1: time passes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, (laughs) you know, what, what do you expect? Yeah. What do you expect from, from Bruce Willis? <laughs> so Oh, I have another
1: note here before we, we move yeah, sure. on to stuff. I mean, he he's on a on a payphone. Yes. And just like I asked you about, you know, when last time you used an airphone, when was the last time you used a payphone?
0: Ooh, that's been a long time also, because I've had a cell phone for over twenty years. So yeah. you know, so my assumption is it's been over twenty five years since I've used a yeah.
1: payphone. Uh, probably the same with me. Yeah, at least twenty years. Um, I don't think I've it ever had cell the phones, opportunity. Why do you need them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, then, the question is how how easy is it to find a cell phone these days, or,
1: or a payphone? Uh, yeah, payphone. Sorry, mean, a payphone. Sorry. Been, how easy is it? To, I mean, it's I, easy to find I, a cell you phone. See, <laughs> you kind of see like the the empty husks of what used to be, you know, lots and lots of payphones around. I mean, yes. I, I've been very hard pressed to find one or two. I live in L.A. Uh, I was looking this one up. Uh, Wikipedia was saying that as of 2018, there were only 100,000 payphones left in the U.S., with 20,000 of them in New York. And then wow. in 2022, New York City removed its last payphone. Wow. So they're they're a dying breed. <laughs> uh, yes. Stay, stay away from payphones, I guess. Because, again, <laughs> people don't need them. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah, but well, the, the, one of the things that I do miss, and, and this is going to come up in a later minute— uh, is the the enclosed payphones? Yes. You know, where you could actually go in there and have a little bit of soundproof privacy. That i missed And change
0: change <laughs> into, change into your uh you know superhero. It's your outfit. Superman outfit, of course. That's <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> that that makes sense. <laughs> and then Holly's response to to John is, "You're on, Lieutenant." So, the the yes. thing that we get from that is, you know, just by her response, we now that know that he moved to LA and was, you know, he promoted he's promoted he's now a lieutenant because you know back in in uh the first movie he was just a detective he wasn't even mm-hmm. he wasn't a captain he wasn't uh you know he was just an officer so he's he's yeah. jumped pretty quickly uh up mm-hmm. up the ladder i guess in in la you know the type of work that that he does deserves uh you know becoming a lieutenant i guess
1: yeah and uh high profile you know he's going to talk about how he's he's seen on tv people know his That's face right
0: that's right. And so then the, 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 the shot shifts to, to we see Holly, Holly on the plane. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, she, he says to her, I'll see you in about half an hour, honey. And then he mm-hmm. says, I love you. Bye. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, the nosy lady sitting next to Holly <laughs> <laughs> decides to interject a little bit. <laughs> You know, and Holly, first of all, Holly has this great smile on her face, you know, as she's hanging up, which which is great, you know, um, because it does show that they have patched up their issues, you know, that they
1: had uh, in the first movie. And she obviously uh, missed the line about the rental car.
0: Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) She heard hotel, no kids, room service, champagne. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm there. We'll just use my mother's car to get there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) thing. So then, the, the the nosy lady sitting next to her, who's played by an actress named Jean uh, Bates, mm. who was born in 1918 and passed away in 2007 from breast cancer, which is really surprising that you know she was uh, she was in she died at the age of 89. So she she yeah. got she got breast cancer in the in her 80s, which is
1: mm. you know
0: um, she has 158 IMDb credits.
1: Oh wow! Well, working was,
0: actors. Yeah, seriously, she was a billboard and a magazine model in like the 1930s and 1940s. Which, oh, wow. if you look at her, you would not think of her as as a model. Mm. He doesn't, doesn't look like <laughs> it now. Um, and she she was also uh, living in the famous motion picture and television uh, Wooden Hills Hospital uh, Country House. You know, it's where hmm. a lot of the you know, it's where a lot of uh, actors go and retire. It's like an actor oh, no, retirement. I, I, I
1: know about that. Yeah, the the Motion Picture uh, Television Foundation. Yeah, they they have a a home for you yes. know, essentially retired actors and mm-hmm. actresses. Yeah, yeah.
0: Who I guess are just acting the whole time that they're sick. Right. So hmm. <laughs> they make they, they 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 make the the orderlies and and nurses there work work for their money. Right. <laughs> and then so she interjects she's, she's apparently you know uh, eavesdropping on this conversation and then she turns to her and says isn't technology wonderful mm. and then Ollie goes eh my husband doesn't think so well I do <laughs> I used to carry around those awful mace things now and then she like opens up her, her bag as she's saying she says I zap any bastard that
1: screws with me I on you... my little dog poor thing limped for a week <laughs> But but do you notice what she pulls out before she pulls out that taser? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, Armed, okay. Dangerous, and All Yours.
0: That's right. And that is a uh, an ad within, I guess, the in-flight magazine for Lethal Weapon 2.
1: <laughs> which... I can't remember another movie that would actually advertise uh, a rival movie. <laughs> well, no, it's not really a rival movie because they, they're they both Joel Silver movies. Ah, so, okay. So, and and no, there are
0: the, I mean when when we, when I did Die Hard, we had we came, the question came up numerous times whether these two movie these two franchises can place in the same universe or not. Oh. You know, and I the like that. the That's fact the fact that 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 you have uh an actor that appears in both of them was a little bit of 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 a you know, at first we said maybe that means that it's not the same uh universe. But then, if you think about it, you know you can say, "Okay, maybe they were twin brothers." Wait, do
1: which you, which actor? Do you, you know which about? actor? I no. Al Leong appears. Oh, Ali Young. Al hey, he was Bo- in. Oh, and well, you know what movie Ali is also with. I know. Yes. Big Trouble in Little China. That's right. Yeah, with with, right. His, uh, with his with so, his mustache. So in in <laughs> lethal
0: weapon, he played a character named Endo. In I right. heard he played a character named Uli? And do you remember this character name in Big Trouble in Little China? Uh, well he was he was a Wing
1: Kong. There you uh, go. He was the Wing Kong. He's like a Wing man. Kong hatch, hatchet man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, You're along right. with Gerald. I, I had a chance to to meet both of those actors. Gerald huh. Akamura was the guy with the the golden guns, but yeah, Ali Yong is the uh, well. You <laughs> met you <laughs> met Ali Yong Oh yeah. Yeah, I was at a, a screening at one time for Big Trouble in Little China. Over at a, I think it was like a Japanese American uh, museum, and they had a whole bunch of different cast members that were there. And yes, I had a chance to to meet him. I mean, at at the time, I mean, he's he's gotten older. He's a little more frail than he used to be, but yeah. you know, still the same guy. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. That is very cool.
0: I mean, he's right now he's seventy. He's seventy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he turned seventy uh back in September. Mm-hmm.
1: Still. So,
0: so so the, the theory is, is that they're they're triplets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the triplets. Okay. Oh, that's the only way that you can make it seem as if they're they all live in the same universe because, you know, in Die Hard, he dies in mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon, he dies. And what happens to him in, in Big Trouble in Little China? I don't remember. You would
1: remember. Mm-hmm.
0: Does he, yeah, does he survive? He gets, gets taken. No, he gets taken down too. Oh, there you go. Kong. So there you go. All, all three. All three brothers. Maybe there's a fourth one somewhere.
1: Or maybe they're clones. <laughs> you clones. Know. There, there you go. <laughs> oh
0: boy. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, Lethal Weapon Two came out a year before this movie came out. So it came out in the summer of 1989. Mm-hmm. Um. Came out on July 7th, 1989. So my and. Trying to figure out when this movie takes place. Okay, um, we we figured out that it's probably 1989, you know, mm-hmm. like this, the the end of December 1989. We're not, we weren't sure. I mean, we tried discussing this last week, trying to figure it out. We're not sure how many days before Christmas this was. Christmas Eve that year was on a Sunday night, so it's possible that this is maybe Friday, or maybe mm-hmm. this is maybe it's Thursday. You know, somewhere somewhere in there. Uh, which means that, that this is six months after Lethal Weapon 2 came out. So the assumption is, is that it was already playing, you know, maybe that was one of the in-flight movies that they were showing
1: on the flight from LA to to, to Dulles. Well, the magazine presence would disprove the theory that they're in the same universe because because he was in this That's universe. Right. That's very yeah. true.
0: <laughs> you know, I didn't even think
1: about that.
0: <laughs> You're right. There you go. You're very right. Well, maybe it's just like an ad for something that's happening across town in LA. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? But I I think you got me on that one. (laughs) You've been able to disprove it. Thank you. There you go. (laughs) So disregard everything I said before. (laughs) So she mentioned. on
1: a flight. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but come Uh, on. We
0: both know that most people will not catch that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't catch it until I did my research for this, you know. And I've seen this well, movie dozens of times,
1: you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I, I looked this one up, and uh, you can actually take tasers with you on flights. You just can't carry it in your checked lu- or you can't carry it in your carry-on luggage. You can check it in in checked luggage.
0: Wait, that that's now. The question is, if pre-9/11 you were allowed to.
1: You were able to do a lot of stuff back then. Uh, well, come on, the,
0: the, the, I think it was Swiss Air was still selling like a month after nine eleven. They were still selling, uh, you the, know, the army knives, the Japanese. What were they called? Japanese uh, knives, you know, box oh. box cutters or whatever they're called. Oh. You know, what the terrorists <sighs> used. They were still selling yeah. them on
1: their in their in flight uh, you know, magazine. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it would have been possible, maybe. I mean, it was just it was a different era. Yes, correct. <laughs> So first of all, she mentions Mace. Okay, now yeah. I didn't know this. Mace is actually a
0: brand name, but it has been it has become the the generic uh, trademark name for what oh, it is. Okay, like, so like so, Xerox and Kleenex. Exactly. So Mace is a is actually a self defense self defense spray that was invented by a man named Alan Lee Littman in the 1960s. Okay mm. it basically uses uh chloride uh and tear gas that dissolves into hydrocarbon solvents uh, and is put into a small aeros- aerosol spray can and it is strong enough to act as a deterrent and incapacitant when sprayed in the face. Ah, lovely. Okay the reason that this was uh the reason that he created it was uh it was created by this guy Alan Lee Lippman and his wife Doris Lippman after one of her friends was robbed in Pittsburgh, and they decided to try to, you know, create some sort of deterrent of how to stop mm. people from from doing it. So, like I said, the you know people any any type of uh, I guess pepper spray or whatever you use is is going to be called mace. You know, it's it's mm. commonly used as the. It doesn't matter what the composition is of the product that you're spraying in someone's face. And you will say that someone was maced. Um, and yeah. there, there's also a spice called mace, which is not connected <laughs> to this at all. <laughs> no.
1: It, it okay. seems though, if I, if I hear that term, I, it, it just seems a little, little old timey to me. You know, I, I hear probably well, more people will say pepper spray, like pepper spray, for instance. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great, but pepper spray is still the same thing or mm. it's relatively, it, it has the same effect. That, that's, the, mm-hmm. that's the point. Obviously, it is a different yeah. chemical comp- composition. Okay. So then what, when she takes out of her bag, now, do you think that's a taser or do you think that's something else? Uh,
1: I mean, it, it's like a taser zap something or other. I mean, it's like, okay, one, so, you know, like one of those cattle prod type things. I guess. Exactly. So,
0: so I looked up taser and I did research on taser, which, which I found some really interesting things about a taser, but it turns out this is not a taser. Okay. Because a taser has uh barbed darts that puncture right, the skin out, yeah. they shoot it out and yeah. they usually go out at about 55 miles an hour which is uh any sorry 55 miles per second which is 125 uh, miles per hour when mm-hmm. it hits things. um and the range is anywhere between uh 15 feet for non-law enforcement tasers to 34 feet for law enforcement ones Wow. So they have a copper wire that delivers a modulated electronic current uh, designed to disrupt voluntary control of muscles, causing a neuromuscular incapacitation.
1: Yep, down you okay.
0: go. That's right. Um, they are considered uh, less lethal weapons, uh, but they still have a possibility of serious injury or death. And apparently right. in 2018, there were 49 people who died in the U.S. by being shocked uh, by police with a taser. The first taser, taser was actually introduced only in 1993 for police to be able to use to subdue fleeing, belligerent, or potentially dangerous people. Mm-hmm. Um, as of 2010, there were 15,000 law enforcement and military agencies around the world that used uh, that used tasers as part of their uh, use of force continuum. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. But if but if this isn't a taser, so what is okay. it technically? We're, we're going to get there. Fraud? It is. Okay. So I have five
0: pages of research about tasers until I realized it wasn't a taser. Uh, <laughs> so that's all i want to say about tasers. Then there's what's known as an electroshock weapon, and that's mm. what this is. Okay. It is mm. an incapacitating weapon. It delivers an electric shock into temporarily disrupting muscle functions and they were inflicting pain without usually causing significant injury. Okay, this was actually created in 1935. Oh wow! Okay, a, a man named Cyril Diaz in Cuba designed an electric electroshock glove to be used, a glove? and the glove delivered 15,000 volt, uh, 1,500 volts of electricity um, in order to try and stop someone. Then in 1969. Okay, a man named Jack Cover, who was a researcher at, at NASA, developed the TASER. Okay, mm-hmm. now, do you know, I, I never knew this, TASER actually is an acronym. Ah,
1: uh,
0: okay, well, I know it, LASER
1: is an acronym, so okay, It's okay, TASER? Okay, so the, the, it, it's his,
0: his childhood hero, Jack Cover's childhood hero was Tom Swift. So it is a ah. Thomas A. Swift's electric rifle.
1: But what does which it is... have to do with Tom Swift? I have no idea. <laughs> he, just, he just liked it. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. No idea. Uh-huh.
0: Um, so they're they're similar. To, they're sometimes called stun guns. Right. Um, they're a relative of the cattle prod, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, the cattle mm-hmm. prod has been around for for much longer. You know, the cattle yeah. prod has been around for for over a hundred years. Um, and the, there's you can even have there are fabric that people wear that is considered a countermeasure that will stop, you know, that that will make it that you won't get shocked if you get uh, hit hit with that. I would assume
1: it'd be some sort of like a rubber shirt.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) you you know what it's called? The
1: electricity or something. You're going to
0: love what this is called. It's called the Thor shield. Oh, (laughs) Oh.
1: Thor. Nice.
0: (laughs) They have uh, stun belts. Okay, it's a mm-hmm. belt that's uh, fastened around the subject's waist, leg, or arm, and carries a battery and a control pack. I mean, that, that you see a lot of times in movies, you know, where they're shocking someone that way. Um, I guess it's more of a torture thing by using yeah. that. Okay, you have also a stun shield, which are shields that have electrodes embedded into the face. And uh, they used to use them for animal control, but now they use them for riot control, that if you touch them, you know, you get wow. shot. That type of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah there's they even have tasers that or um shockers right that they've shockers that, that that you can shoot out of a twelve gauge shotgun in order that it huh. goes and goes you know it goes ninety eight feet <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's just that's crazy
1: <laughs> wow that's just well I, I have a note about this particular one here. Uh, I mean, the fact that they're even showing it here, you know, according to the laws of Chekhov's gun, you know, that means it has to be used later. So we're definitely going to see this again. Otherwise, why show it? So it's Chekhov's uh, cattle prod, electric cattle prod. Chekhov's (laughs) cattle prod. There you go. Uh, (laughs) The the other note I have is that the, uh, the electricity that you see in it, this reminds me of... Big trouble Little China. Egg-, Egg Shen's hand lightning effect at the beginning of the movie. Okay, that makes uh, sense. It just reminded me of this, and and from what I'd heard about that one, everything that was electrical on screen was all hand animated. Wow. And so I suspect it's probably the same thing here, where you know this is all some it's of, some very possible animation. I mean, uh, on on the on the
0: commentary, uh, Renny Harlan gives a lot of information, but he doesn't talk about that. You know, he yeah. he's he at this point in the movie, he's apologizing profusely about you know his uh, mistake of using earphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the one other thing I wanted to say about the uh, electroshock device is that in 1991, the with the you know the whole case of Rodney King, apparently mm. they uh, they tried to subdue him with a taser. And it, 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 he was shocked twice with it, but it didn't do anything to him. So they assumed that he was on PCP and that's how mm. things started getting even you know more out of control because of oh. uh, that misconception of what happened. Again, I'm not condoning anything. I'm just uh, stating the fact.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, at this point, Holly is had enough of you know she's she's feeling very uncomfortable being shown this taser. You know, the question mm-hmm. is is she feeling or or sorry, this electric uh, electro
1: what do we call cattle it? Cattle prod. Uh, cattle prod,
0: right. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean she's feeling very uncomfortable about it. And the question is, is she feeling uncomfortable that she might get shocked? Is she feeling uncomfortable that she's sitting next to somebody who actually has one in her purse on a plane? She's just shocked to <laughs> see that she has it. There you go. She definitely was mm. shocked. Very good. And, <laughs> and then the, the, the shot changes and we're, we're, we're back in Dulles yes. and we quickly get to see John as he's, you know, uh, strolling around trying to just walk through the, uh, you know, through the airport, trying to just trying to figure out what he's going to do with himself for the next, uh, you know, half hour that he now has to wait for, for Holly to show up. Mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty much his biggest uh, issue right now. I, I mean, I, I talked about this last week, but I'm still really confused as to, you know, what he's doing, why he showed up so early. You know, I remember back then you could call up like a phone number and find out, um, you know, when a plane is supposed to land. <laughs> and again, yeah. it's somewhat of an idea, you know, tell you, okay, departures are going to happen soon, you know, or the... You know, that you know, this is I, the I time.
1: Mean, also, I mean, he he parked in like a, an emergency zone. Usually, you only do that if you're you're really late. But here, he's early. So That's right. Or you if you're just running in for else? a second,
0: you know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I pointed out last week that is pretty funny that that where he parks, you know, he's parking at the uh, departures, not the arrivals. So uh. theoretically, isn't he supposed to be picking her up? <laughs> so. If anything, he should should have been parking at a different place. But whatever.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: that's that's the way the movie works. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as he's walking, we we then see a shot of of uh,
1: our our villain Colonel Stewart. Yeah. Uh, also walking, and they end I up and recognize him. He he's actually wearing clothes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and not doing Tai <laughs> Chi. <laughs>
0: And then the two of them, the two of them bump into each other and, yes.
1: you know, John then shows how polite he can be and just says, excuse mm. me. <laughs> now, and, and this whole section looks like it was pretty heavily dubbed. Yeah, uh, I-, I couldn't even it's tell who was possible. saying excuse me just because the lips are, are uh, okay. weird moving. <laughs> all right, that's fair. I can I can understand that.
0: Um,
1: and that's all I have to say about this minute. Do you have anything else you want to say about the minute before we get into the script? well as as you go through this movie obviously there's going to be echoes to the past movie and this one seems pretty clear i mean this echoes to the meeting where john saw hans gruber in the last one and just like that one he didn't immediately recognize that that's the bad guy correct but in all fairness in that one that was
0: towards that was much further in the movie so he had already interacted with with Mm -hmm. gruber here he hasn't interacted with him Uh, one of the things that that Rennie Harlan says on the commentary is that the reason that he wanted this scene to be in here was, you know, you can't wait until the very end of the movie for the two of them to actually meet. Ah, you
1: know, you can, but you know, just wanted to have that, that shared moment early on. Yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have anything else you want to say before we get into the script? Uh, no, no, let's let's dig in.
0: Okay. All right, so the script is is pretty much the same here, but there's there's some dialogue changes. Uh basically when John tells Holly his plan, so it it's it's worded very differently in the script. It says, you know, he, she asked him yesterday on Friday, you know, did mom give you any trouble about borrowing a new car and his response is no, not yet. Uh how about if when you land, we don't drive over the river and through the woods to grandma's house, but check into the airport motel. And then she says, you're on, Lieutenant. So I, I like the way they do in the movie much better.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, even though we picked it apart. I, I remember reading <laughs> somewhere that uh, apparently Bruce Willis was given a green light to do lots of ad-libbing in this one just because it, it sort of went over very well in the first one. So I, it'll be interesting to see just how much he deviates from the original script. Yeah, that's true. I mean,
0: this is the shooting script from November and, you know, they filmed between uh, November and May,
1: Uh, November of Mm -hmm.
0: 89 and May 90. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. So every Monday we have a a segment called McLean Monday, where my guests will give their top five uh, Bruce Willis movies. So what have you got for us, Josh? Start
1: with uh, number five and work your way way up. Oh, oh, we have to go backwards. Okay.
0: Uh,
1: well, why give away well, why give away your
0: number one right away?
1: Yes, yes, no kidding. Uh, well, uh, some of these movies that I have on here, it's been a while since I've seen them, uh, but I'll I'll put it on the list because I do remember it. I would say number five would be The Sixth Sense, uh, and uh, very very long time ago that I saw this one. I remember that he had a very good uh, good rapport with the kid in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um course uh it, it felt very different from some of his more action related stuff that comes in the other ones but uh but it, it was a, a memorable performance from him and i think it was something that sort of helped him be more relevant later on it, that was like late later 90s was it that was 1999 yeah yeah it's because he you know, yeah. most of the stuff that was like sort of common bruce willis films were from the you know, the late eighties, early nineties, but mm-hmm. uh, this, this, he, he sure. was being more relevant in a role like this. And So I would yes. say six Sense. Uh, next one would probably be Pulp Fiction. Uh, that was one where I was surprised to see that he was in it. Cause it wasn't really hyped that much that, that he had a role, uh, or if it was, I just didn't know about it. And, and seeing him as that, as that boxer, who's, who's on the run and kind of, you know, goes in and out of the, the main story and stuff, uh, you know that that was that was entertaining to see. It was another one where it kind of felt like, oh yeah, Bruce Willis. What's he been doing lately? <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I thought that was cool to see him in that one. Uh, third one, Twelve Monkeys. I would say uh, that that was a very a very different type of role for him. I felt uh, you know where where he was he was in sort of like a a, a sci-fi setting, sort of uh, man out of time. Uh, you know, is he crazy? Is he not? All this stuff happening to him. Uh, good rapport with the other, uh, the actress in that one. I forget who it was. It was, it was uh, Madeline
0: Stowe. Madeline Stowe.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that one. Uh, number two, The Fifth Element. Uh, that one was just fun because it's, it's action Bruce, it's one liners galore. Uh, just. He, he plays himself it's it's a fun character he's surrounded by a lot of other sort of crazy fun characters throughout uh you know just overall entertaining mm-hmm. uh, but but my number one i have to say, and considering i i just watched it again recently i it, it sort of justifies it is die hard one you know, <laughs> he he just he does great in that one um you know not your typical action star uh, I read a little bit more about just the idea of casting him in this. Uh, the first Die Hard, that he was more known as a comic actor. He was yes. in moonlighting a, t- a television then, and show. And then Blind guy. Date. <laughs> blind Date. Uh, and and to put him in this one where he's sort of like the unlikely action star, and he's not Rambo. You know, he he is hurting throughout Correct. that movie. He's mm-hmm. bleeding. He's got no shoes on. You don't know if he's necessarily going to make it. And right. it's a much a much more uh, Type of uh, film where you're really rooting for him, uh, and and he's likable, very much so. So that that is my top five.
0: All right, great. Thank you very much for that. So Josh, do you want to tell people where where they can find Josh Horowitz?
1: Where you can find Josh Horowitz? Uh, well, I do have a website, JoshHorowitz.com. If you want to hear some of the stuff that I've done, different movies by minutes, podcasts. Uh, I'm also an audiobook narrator. And I've had a chance to narrate over two dozen audiobooks. The most recent one that I did is called The Dragonstorm Gates by Anthony DiPaolo. Uh, This was released in August of 2022. It's a 22-hour epic journey. It's the longest audiobook narration I've done to date. Wow. And if you want to hear a story that's a cross between Indiana Jones and The Exorcist, you got to pick this one up. You can find that one on audible.com if you look up. Uh, the Dragon Storm Gates, or you look me up, Josh Horowitz. Uh, right. Other things that I've done in the past were Five Minutes of Trouble, the Big Trouble Little China Movies by Minutes podcast, and Five Minutes of Bonsai, which is where we did The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension, also in a five-minute format with my fellow host, Brett Stillo. So yes, you can check those friend of out. the show.
0: Brett's been, on, yeah. Brett, Brett's been on two seasons already, and he will hopefully be back this season.
1: Yeah, Brett's great. Very, very much into movies and has some great things to say. Isn't that old? Isn't that what we're all here? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The last one I'll talk about is uh, 12 Chimes, It's Midnight. That's a it's an old time radio podcast. Uh, I've worked on that one also with Brett. Uh, It's led by the talented Amy Pavi, uh, where we do original stories that are all very spooky among other things. So check that out at 12chimesradio.com. Ooh,
0: very cool. All right, and while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rub Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, MovieRubMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay!
1: Yippee-ki-yay! if you're fond of sand dunes and salty air quaint little villages here and